everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on what should be a, a warm, beautiful spring day, but it's just a beautiful spring day. It's cold. It looks like spring, but it feels like winter. Uh, Before we get into the show, just want to remind everybody that uh, while a lot of the world lives in misery, the people in Ukraine are really miserable, thanks to the Russians. Uh, And um, if you haven't yet and you're you're of a mind to, it'd be great if you go online. You can go to uh, cnn.com slash impact and find uh, charitable ways to help the folks there. And um if you haven't seen Nate Mook, who has been a guest of this show multiple times, who is with World Central Kitchen, he does a report with Anderson Cooper about what it happened at that train station. Please look it up and see what he has to say. It's um, absolutely petrifying, and uh, your help financially, and you can volunteer, uh, is all needed, especially for World Central Kitchen. Okay. Okay, let's right. go into our show. So we got a great show, as uh, usual. Deb Moser from Central Farm Markets joins us. She's got she some She has info. a birth announcement. A birth announcement. Uh, <laughs> our drink segment today is going to be fun. James Simpson is the beverage director and partner at Espita. Um, they're well-known in town. Uh, serving, they're sort uh, of known. They're I, think they're known. I think they're well known. I, I, they're well known to me. Authentic okay. Southern Mexican food and drinks down in Shaw. Uh, we're going to take a deep dive into their new cocktail menu. Mm-hmm. Um, for now, the next guest is probably maybe best known for being the runner-up on season 15 of Top Chef, or maybe I think Chef she's Adrian known for Cheatham. A lot more than maybe that. she's better known as the chef de cuisine who who supports the award-winning chef de cuisine, supporting Marcus Samuelson at Streetbird, but. She's about to hit the big time even more after Tuesday when her first cookbook, Sunday Best, debuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the title's inspired by the longstanding African-American tradition of wearing your best clothes on Sundays. I never do. I'm usually in a T-shirt. but okay. And um, the cookbook parallels the tradition because she's dressed up a bunch of Southern soul food recipes, mm-hmm. so that should be fun. Then... My temptation is in studio. My mother keeps telling me not to tap my... Because it makes noise. Okay, all right. Jeff Fugit's here. Jeff loves queso. Um, He grew up in New Mexico, and I I think half his body is queso, he says. (laughs) But he founded something called Empty Bowl Queso. Uh, He's got a small queso empire going because queso maniacs up and down the eastern seaboard and in other states can get their queso fixes on, and he's... Here with us today, and he's going to turn us into queso junkies. Right? I'm ready. I'm, I want to learn all about queso. Ow. Udalali is an expression of joy and surprise and delight, mm-hmm. and it's what inspires Swiss Filipino entrepreneur and sixth generation chocolate maker, Ernan Laberde. Am I saying it right? I think I am. Mm-hmm. Ernan Laberde, uh, his many creations. He uses Filipino cacao uh, ingredients and flavors that make award-winning chocolate works of art. They're beautiful. I cannot They're wait. They're stunning. So we're going to be talking to him as well. Uh, but first, Deb, you're having a baby. Hi, Deb. Good morning. Tell us about your new baby. We are. happening? And a shout-out to New Mexico. That's where I was born. So okay. We I love New Mexico. Mexico. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's hear so, it. Yes. We have a new baby. It's mm-hmm. called the Half Street Market, mm-hmm. Central Farm Market. Uh, it's going to open on May 7th, and we're really, really proud. This is going to be in a dynamic new market down right in front of Nat Stadium. 
and talk about chefs. We're going to have chef demos and all of the great vendors that you know and new vendors and just a lot of great stuff going on. So we want to shout out to JBG and Jared Lynch for bringing us down. Boy, how that neighborhood has changed. It's amazing. So <laughs> Unbelievable. for people who don't know where Half Street is, can you explain where that is? Yes, it's between M and N Street, and mm-hmm. it runs directly into the opening of Nat Stadium. The oh front my of God. Nat Stadium. Can, can I just say, for and anybody over 50, it's where you used to go to get your, your car inspected. That's okay. how. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's the Capitol Riverfront, which you know is just yes, booming and, Amazing. and developing. And... Now, Deb, let me ask you, because you have other markets, do you right. do you, do you pull from those other markets? Do you bring those vendors in? Do you do you suss out new vendors? You know, new farmers, new creators, new makers. What do you do to sort of fill uh, this market so that it it's appropriate for this neighborhood? Then that's a great question, Nikki. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did all of the above. We really went out on an invitation uh, for this market, and so. We put together sort of like merchandising in a grocery store. You mm-hmm. know, you know what you want, what products you want. Um, we know what vendors we wanted, and um, they came in, and it's a great mix with the area in mind. Right. Uh, so you know, we we always keep that in mind. Excellent. All right, Deb. Thank you so much. We're going to have you and Mitch come in studio. You're really going to lay out what's happening at that market in a couple of weeks. I can't wait for that conversation. Wait a minute. Does she have to bring Mitch? Yeah, she's okay. bringing Mitch. Okay. So uh, just tell everybody we'll where we can you, find David. right. Uh, tell everybody where we can find you online, please. We have a new website, and it's mm-hmm. centralfarmmarkets.com. You can see everything, and you'll see that the Pike Market opens April 30th. So people are antsy about that one, too. Right. We can't wait. All right, Deb. Thanks so much. All right. All right. Thank you. Have a great show. You, too. All right. Let's James, cocktails. we have a member. We have one of the Simpsons with us today. What? It's James Simpson. Right. Oh, but right. I'm bum. I'm sure you so, never heard that one before. He probably never has heard it before. Yeah, that's, a, that's a new one. Yeah. Oh, stop. <laughs> yeah, sure it is. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, what? Uh, take us kind of through uh, an Espita. overview of Espita. Give us a little bit of a 411. And just a little background. Mm-hmm. We had you guys on, the chef on, when you first opened. Like, what is that, four years ago? Five Almost years six. ago? Six years ago? Wow, I can't believe it. <laughs> So, but it's been some time since we've had you guys back in. So tell us a little bit about like how the concept has evolved. Yeah. So almost six years, that's, that's kind of wild to say, mm-hmm. but it, the last two years have kind of been really. Trial on, by fire. Yeah. Trial by fire. I, I, we like to say this you is You can say the word crappy on this show. Okay. Right? okay. That's about it. Yeah. That, that's the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um, the line. We like to say this is a speed of 6.0 because we've kind of reinvented it every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we're at the same place that uh, corner of ninth and N. Um, you know, you can recognize it by the murals inside, one of which, you know, I'm going to be kind of showing off in this cocktail later. Uh-huh. But it's Oaxacan modern Mexican cuisine. We like to say it's authentic, not traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the difference? Well, you know, I, I guess that's what's the perception of what Mexican cuisine is mm-hmm. versus what's actually being cooked and Good way of But I, think a, I think a lot of times people confuse Mexican with Tex-Mex. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, And Oaxacan is regional and it's very specific to that region, the kind of ingredients that are used and how things are put together. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, totally different ingredients, totally different methods and preparations. And, you know, we that's that's home base for us. That's where all the excitement is. Do they even have Tex-Mex in Oaxaca? 
Oh no, <laughs> probably not. You know, so no. I'm, no. I'm saying, I'm saying they don't <laughs> is even. Is that a serious even, question? Yeah, it is. A, in other words, you, you you would only get confused if you were talking about some somewhere along the border. You know, I, I think that word doesn't even exist in right. Oaxaca. They right. don't have a translation. Okay, for that. so now when it comes to cocktails, because that's mm-hmm. what you're in for today, we're going to talk to you throughout the show. Um, how do you? I mean, I think most people when they think of Mexico, they think of tequila and mezcal. So how do you round out your program? Uh, so we always start with agave spirits, definitely. Tequila, mezcal, ricea, bacanora, just kind of mm. uh, so tall. Things that we love, things that are native to, to Mexico and mm-hmm. really native to Oaxaca. Uh, and that limitation, you know, working with kind of exclusively agave spirits uh, creates a, a ton more opportunities. And I, I think it even makes us more creative in the directions we, we go with. Cool. We'll blend spirits quite mm. often. Um, tequila or mezcal and bourbon make up our, our household fashion, which okay. is a split base. So All I right. Well, just... on that point, what are yeah. you pouring for us next? Ah, well, we're going to start with the Maya Well. See what you did? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're starting with our signature cocktail, the Maya Well. It's our mezcal margarita. It's what we're known for. Okay. I think I, I keep track, and at this point I think I've made almost half a million Okay. Um, well, go make a half a million in one. Okay. We'll be with so you in just it. a sec. Okay. I wish we were talking about dollars. All right. right. Um, chef. Chef. Uh, I mean, she's a top chef runner-up and otherwise all-star chef. Adrian Cheatham is about to launch her first cookbook. Hi, and chef. we get to help. Welcome to the show, Hi. Chef. How hey, are you? Thank you Hello. so much so for joining us. I have a first question for you because mm-hmm. you weren't born famous. It's nice, nice to be famous. But how did this all happen? I mean, did you grow up at, you know... Grandma or mom's, you know, apron strings learning in the kitchen? Or did or you dad's. come to her dad? Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. I almost became a sexist. Or dad's. That's or dad. possible. So um, how did it all happen? No, I, so I was actually born in obscurity, just like everybody else. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it was 80s Chicago, early 80s, just barely made that mark. And then uh, my mom worked in restaurants, so I spent my childhood in a non-smoking section (laughs) and that was where i was raised and my mother worked front of house so i didn't see women cooking professionally at all Mm. i saw women cooking at home but i always wondered like if women are doing all the cooking at home why is it that when you get to restaurants you don't see any right so that was kind of the motivation that brought me to restaurants because i also felt more comfortable in that environment I was kind of socially awkward as a kid and didn't really like making small talk. So restaurants were like the perfect place for me. But you didn't want to be in front of the house. You wanted to be in the back of the house. So what was it about the kitchen that that kind of pulled at you to go back there and and sort of release your creativity? So front of house was just too social, to be honest. It Mm -hmm. was too customer facing. Um, And I really liked being in the back. I liked being the person holding the standard. When I was executive sous chef at Le Bernardin in New mm-hmm. York, um, that was amazing. And I loved being the person behind, you know, Eric Repair and some of the other chefs. Okay, but I feel like you just, people... you just jumped. You just jumped from a a, tremendous being a little un... girl in the non-smoking section. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm like, I'm in the non-smoking section, and now I'm working with Eric Repair. I feel like we missed just a tiny <laughs> bit in between. Ah, you know the basics. <laughs> work here, work there, go to culinary school. But I mean, was this, was this, where'd you go to culinary school? I went to the Institute of Culinary Education here mm-hmm. in New York. They okay. used to have an amazing work-study program, so I worked for free for chefs around the city mm-hmm. for a couple Great. of years before taking classes 
um, and then bartending at night. Yeah, well, you hear our bartender making a drink here. All right, so, and, but, yes. How did you end up with Marcus Samuelson? I and mean, so is Marcus Samuelson part of that trajectory? Yeah, I went to work for Marcus, and I was actually executive chef of Street Bird, also exec chef of Red Rooster, chef de cuisine on the corporate side. And just no. so you know, but, I am a Red Rooster fan. I think no. that restaurant is so fabulous. <laughs> nice. I'm actually at Red Rooster right now. I Marcus could tell. I was like, I could yeah. see the background. <laughs> Yeah, I'm downstairs in Jenny's. The um, Marcus was a great mentor. I went to work for him after working for Eric Repair because I lived in Harlem mm-hmm. and I, I came here all the time and Marcus would kind of see me and like, oh, I met you with Eric Repair at this food festival. And so, you know, we just got to talking and it was great to work in my own neighborhood for the first time. I bet. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about like your cookbook, which is beautiful i don't have the physical one i just have it like the galley but it is gorgeous. oh we've got to get you one it's gorgeous all right this is david and nikki nellis it's foodie and the beast i have cocktails in my future i have queso in my future and you are going to have some sunday best in a sec okay we're back on foodie and the beast with david and nikki nellis we are talking to chef uh, adrian cheatham who started her career in the non-smoking section at a restaurant, her mother was. Uh, that's your moniker. Funny. That's your identifier and, now. And, and suddenly, <laughs> she's a, a top a top uh, chef finalist, and she's got a new cookbook called Sunday Best. Um, let's talk a little bit about the recipes because. Well, let's talk about the concept first, well, which then relates. To well, the recipes. But, but I'm asking my own question, I know, man. It's not All a right, good one. <laughs> because because you obviously had a point of view when you were doing this. So so why this kind of book, and then how did you collect all the recipes? Um, well, the recipes I had kind of in the back of my mind, I had done cookbooks for other chefs that I worked for. So in the back of my mind, like 2 a.m. when I'd get home from work, I'd write down a dish idea or a paragraph or, you know, just something to kind of do a rough outline, like, oh, maybe in some pipe dream if I ever have a cookbook. Um, but I loved the concept of working in a Michelin starred restaurant and seeing things that my family did. I grew up in Chicago, but my father grew up in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So I spent summers down there and I would always see cooking techniques that are the exact same in French fine dining. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, like they don't call it bechamel or Mornay. They just call it making cheese sauce for mac and cheese. Right. But like (laughs) the exact same technique. So I really loved kind of showing people that culturally, everybody has a Sunday tradition with their family, typically. Mm-hmm. And culturally, we have so much in common through our foodways because in the South, so many different immigrant groups came over from indigenous through Vietnamese that have all impacted the foodways. Um, and I just love highlighting some of those lesser known nuances. Well, but you have a lot of different sections. In the book, I mean, first of all, the photography is really beautiful. I just love oh, the way the pictures are done. Oh, thank you. I worked with Kelly Mitchell. She's amazing. And it shows. It's really beautiful. But I love how you have, like, this whole sauces section. You have a all-day grazing section that kind of speaks to me personally because I like to graze throughout my day. Um, and you have even a section on leftovers. So what what were you trying? Like, what was it that you were trying to sort of help people with when it came to the kind of foods that they could create with your recipes? So I used to think I was going to do this beautiful chefy style coffee book when I had my own Michelin starred restaurant. But honestly, that's not how people cook. And mm-hmm. that's not the kind of books. No, people, we can go I to your restaurant. To I could go to your restaurant yeah. and get that meal. Right. 
Right. I want my books to be splattered with oil and folded over pages because somebody likes this recipe so much. And it was really my sister getting married and having a couple kids mm -hmm. that really showed me the value of cookbooks that people have on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. So I wanted to make something that shows people like if you've got time to do one really cool side dish, pick up a rotisserie chicken from the grocery store. It's totally fine. I just kind of wanted to take the the pressure and the you know, the, the, the fear angst. of cooking off. Like people have been doing this for hundreds of years. It's just food. Now, I did read that you and your sister used to do like your own pop-ups before that was a term like mm. in college, right? So you used to just yes, meet people? We, uh, <laughs> we loved it. We used to have, my mom got us a Walmart card when we were in college uh -huh. and she was like, it's okay once in a while because we were like super broke when I was little and then she started moving up and... And, um, you know, between her and my dad, they were like, look, we're not crazy broke. If you want to treat your friends once in a while, like once a month, do a Sunday dinner for your friends. You know, it's okay. Put a few groceries on the Walmart card. I wish we'd like, known you then. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're like, let's do that. <laughs> and then let's make it back. Right. And so now you're doing, but you also have something that you're doing. Are you allowed to tell us about your Sunday best pop-up? Yes. So the pop-up series, I had to obviously stop during COVID, mm -hmm. but that cocktail looks amazing, by Doesn't the way. Doesn't it look beautiful? Um, <laughs> gorgeous color. That's the value I, um, of being here. I know. See, next time you got to come in studio. Anyway. Right. The, um, yeah, I just, I love doing these pop-ups because it was a little less pressure than having a brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. It gave me more flexibility. I had just gotten married. Um, so it gave me more flexibility to actually spend time with this person. Mm -hmm. Um and I loved it. So I didn't, I don't know, I'm still on the fence about opening a brick and mortar, but I do the pop-ups. Those are getting started again here in Harlem. Okay, so, um, so in New York I only. It. It's not like you're going to come down to D.C. and do it here? Well, I've Maybe. done other cities. I've done Chicago and Atlanta. I had actually planned a D.C. one before COVID hit, so mm -hmm. hopefully we'll get that venue back on. And Great. We reschedule do you want to do a pop-up at our house? You could just let us know when you're coming, <laughs> and we'll make sure to tell Perfect. people about it. Okay, tell everybody when the book drops, where we can find it, how we can follow you. Give us a full 411. So on Instagram, it's Chef Adrian Cheatham, mm -hmm. and the book comes out April 12th, but it is available for pre-order now on everything from Amazon to Barnes & Noble, your local indie bookstores. You can get it from the Penguin Random House website as well. That's the publisher I'm under, mm -hmm. uh, the Clarkson Potter imprint. So you can get it almost anywhere. You have no excuse to not order it. Um, <laughs> there you go. I like that. There's a hard sell, everybody. No right there. Right there. <laughs> and I'll be checking. Right. All right. Yes. Well, thank you, Chef. Sunday Best launches on Tuesday. We can't wait, and we hope to hear more from you. Thank you, Mickey. Thank Thanks, you, Dave. It's so great bye. to meet you guys. Thank you. Okay, All right, James. Well, so you got a major shout out from Chef. She thinks your cocktail looks yeah, gorgeous. It's delicious. All right. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about it. So this is our Maya Well, mm -hmm. and it features. Mm -hmm. Our house mezcal, which is El Buo Espadin. Mm -hmm. we, we love this family. We visit them in Oaxaca every chance we get. Um, it also has combier uh, liqueur de orange, like really solid triple sec, mm -hmm. that orange flavor, and just fresh lime. Around the rim is sal de gusano. That's amazing. It's I really could just good. eat that. So were you mm -hmm. just playing around and you came up with this, or is this a, a take on something else, some other... Oh, this is a Drink. this is a very classic recipe. I mean, the secret to this one is is not necessarily the, you know, reinventing the wheel. It's just using really good ingredients. It's really good. Well, but 
do you find that with some of these cocktails, because they have been bastardized with, you know, lots of like sugary premixed kind mm-hmm. of stuff, are there people who are like, I don't get it? Do you have to educate? I mean, it's a pretty educated clientele here in the DC market, but given that you're so close to the convention center, not that I'm dissing people from other oh places. Oh my God, I hear but- a, a subtle <laughs> diss when they come in from well, cow country. Do they know? What- I mean, do you, but you understand my question. <laughs> I, I do, and we're we're adaptable. And I think when people taste it, they taste the difference. So we're mm-hmm. we're winning over hearts and minds. Is okay. What we like to say behind. Mm, good. Bye. Okay. All right. Well, this is going to go great with our next guest. But what are you making next? <laughs> Uh, next up, we are going to do our Dos Fritas cocktail, which is the cocktail made uh, for our spring menu in homage to Frida Kahlo mm. uh, and the awesome punk rock Frida uh, mural we have inside the restaurant. Cool. All right. While you get to that, we're going to bring on our next guest. All Thank right. You. And Jeff, I, I love this. I love Jeff the minute he walked in. Jeff Fugit <laughs> loves queso, right? Yeah, I, I, I love Hatch Green Chili. And uh, that's kind of what led me to the queso. And he's become... Re- okay, I don't know what that is. Hatch Green Chili? Yeah, what's Hatch Green Chili? Hatch Green Chili is a uh, it's a pepper that's grown in Hatch, New Mexico, which is okay. about 200 miles south of Albuquerque. Uh-huh. It's the number one export of the state of New Mexico outside of natural gas. Okay. Um, so it's it's fairly well known uh, more recently because it's they've done a good job of bringing it east. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first moved east 30 years ago, you couldn't find it anywhere. Okay. Um, and out there, it is everywhere. Literally, you can go to any McDonald's and get a green chili cheeseburger. If it doesn't have green funny? chili on it, most New Mexicans don't want to eat it. Funny. Um, so what happened? You, well, you, wait, we're still talking about the chili. Yeah. yeah. That's so what, what is the about. flavor? What is the texture? Like, what is it about this chili that is so um, engaging? It's just awesome. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You're not telling me much there. <laughs> it's well. We're gonna first, find out. I mean, yeah. Here you go. Place. Jump. Jump on in. Yes, um, okay. Jump, wanna, jump on in a little bit a here. Yeah, I will. So that is a pretzel here. made by our friends at Nordic Knot in Reston, and. I give them the green chili, and they melt the cheese and green chili right on top of the pretzel. Here it is. Okay. It's uh, pretty good. I bet. Um, but uh, It's real good. There's multiple varieties of the green chili pepper. Right. Um, from the Big Jim, which is kind of a mild pepper, to the Lumbre, which is an extra hot pepper. I use the Sandia variety, which is a hot a pepper. Yeah. yeah. And the kick comes later. It doesn't hit you on the no, front right. end. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a sweet flavor of the queso on the front end, and then the heat just kind of starts warming you up on the inside. Okay. Well, so for people who don't – I mean – I think queso has also kind of queso has also kind of been bastard I mean bastardized as well. Do you know what I mean? Like you could go into a store and it's like in a jar. Like yeah, that's, so what is real queso? What is real queso? Yes. That's a good question. Um, in my mind it, it's something that doesn't taste like it's out of a jar. Okay. Right? But so, what is its complexities? What is it made of? What's yeah, the history so behind it's, it? Um, Mine, and specifically, is vegetarian, so I don't use any meats. Some some people will use meats in their queso. Um, what I found, and, and the way the way I really got into this was, you know, I moved east, like I said, in 1990, couldn't mm-hmm. find green chili. Every time I went home to New Mexico, I would bring some back with me. Mm-hmm. It was impossible to get, and I really just started making this queso as a way to get my green chili fix. But what um, is, I, I mean, I didn't know that green chilies were so important to queso, so what's Well, they the, are to mine. <laughs> right, obviously, but what's in queso? I mean, yeah. what is... Well, what about the cheese? Because some people will just boil down Velveeta and go crazy, yeah. and that's... Well, and the cheese is, is a challenge, right? Uh, because if, if you're running a restaurant and you're making queso every day and serving it to people, you can use basically <clears> any chi- kind of cheese you want. 
if you're someone like like me that's trying to sell retail, you have to have cheese that has some type of shelf life to it. Mm-hmm. So we are using a Velveeta style cheese. It's not Velveeta, but mm-hmm. a, a similar style because you, you've got to have. Um, unfortunately, have you have to have shelf life. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there's no opportunity for retail. I okay. mean, zero. But it's just mm. queso in its truest form is just melted cheese of any kind. Melted melted cheese along with whatever you want to put into it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, queso literally me is the. Spanish word for cheese. Right. No, I know. Yeah. But it is. it has become like a dip yep. that people know about. But I didn't know mm. if there was some sort of origin to it or some sort of story to it as how like it's sort of infused into New Mexican culture or yeah. so, Mexican culture. Um, for in New Mexico, and I, I, I've been to both. Mex- I spent a lot of time in Mexico as well mm-hmm. growing up in New Mexico. But it's just so different. I mean, you can find just so many different varieties uh, of queso uh, white white queso, you know, yellow queso with made with meat without meat. We made right. with jalapenos, with green chili, with other poblanos. I mean, there's just so many different things you can do with it. Um, for me, it was really more about the hatch green chili pepper, um, and and that's why I started making it. And I'm trying to share the joy of that. Well, pepper you, but you've queso. also come up with variations on the theme because you've got your queso on. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, on lots of different. It's 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 not that. just a dip in, right. in my mind. It's a it, we can use it as a sauce. We make cheese steaks with it every Friday night. We oh, mix it in our good. mac and cheese to spice it up. Uh, mix mix it in my scrambled eggs every day to you know eat it in the morning. And that's the that's, I love a man who uses his product everywhere. Low carb man, <laughs> right? Um, I eat it straight out of the container, cold with celery. That's another way to cool. you know low carb huh. it. Um, You're my kind of guy. yeah, right? But uh, <laughs> you, you, yeah. <laughs> It is. It is very. Uh, you know, use it as a condiment on hot dogs, hamburgers, pulled pork. Okay, you know, well, we're gonna take a quick break. When I we heard co- it can be used as a face okay, cream too. Is yeah. that true? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about how you came up with some of these concepts about like the soft pretzels and other things, and where people can find you and all that sure. kind of stuff. Sounds great. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Jeff Fugit is here. He is the founder and the master. Mind behind the empty, master mixer, the master mixer behind empty bowl queso. I, I picture you like in front of a cauldron mixing melted cheese with your hatch chili. <laughs> that is exactly right. how it goes. Um, we cook out of the what used to be the chefscape kitchen in Leesburg, mm-hmm. and we cook in two 25 gallon kettles, tilt kettles, and we've got big pat you know paddles that we you could probably row a boat with, but right? we, well, we stir you, queso. So now, do you roast the chilies? What do you do to infuse the chilies so, into the flavor? The, the chilies um, are only harvest one time a year in okay. late July, early August. And so you've got to get them and uh, roast them and chop them and freeze them. So uh, I get a, a 2,400 pounds a pallet at a time. They're already roasted, peeled, chopped, frozen. And so from, from there, uh, we mix, uh, mix, mix everything. All the vegetables were a, a vegetarian queso, so there's mm-hmm. no meat in it, only vegetables. So it's mm-hmm. just vegetables and cheese and a few other spices. Um, and we mix all the vegetables in, cook those up to a good temperature, and then drop the cheese in once that's boiling and stir it up. And Let's talk about the, the, the growth of your little empire here because mm-hmm. I started doing this, and then you started <clears throat> bottling it, and then yeah. bada-bing, bada-boom, you're in six states. We're, how many how many uh, storefronts? Yeah, so we're in about sixty storefronts now. Most of which is in the DMV. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got a couple in outside of Dallas, and that's a long story. And uh, a couple in West Virginia, and a couple up in Delaware, uh, but most is in, in the DMV. And um, this was really a 
this all really got started due to the, the pandemic. Um, you know, I, I had been making this queso for a long time. Um, it was a, a fundraiser for my daughter's marching band. Um, I, I ran um, sales and marketing for an event design and execution company, the country's largest event design and execution company. Who are so, they? Uh, Merit's Global Events, it's called. But, uh, you know, we did events from, you know, like consumer electronics show size down to a 12-person board of directors, 3,000-plus events a year we were engaged in. And one of the things that kind of got me going with the queso is I, I would share it with all of our clients. So if mm-hmm. you were a client of ours, I came to your event, you got queso. You came to our office, you got queso. I came to your office, you got queso. And so it was really getting – I was spending a lot of time just pushing it out there to people – and an amazing thing happened, uh, Super Bowl of 2017, my daughter's marching band was trying to raise money to go march in the Veterans Day Parade at Disney. I put out a Facebook post suggesting I'm making a big pot of queso, bring your bowls over, pick some up, make a donation to the band. And I was just pummeled with people all over the country saying, you know, I'll donate, I want to help. But just people I'd shared it with over right. all these years, mm-hmm. right? And so it be, just became a big fundraiser for the band for the next three years. And um, I had started. This also should be a commercial for social media. Right? Too, right? No kidding. I started the, the process of, and all of this I was, you know, kind of making in the kitchen, right? In my own kitchen. And, but I, I knew that I had to, if I was going to take a commercial, I needed to get into a commercial kitchen. So I had started that process right before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Then COVID hit. And uh, I could see the writing on the wall that my job probably wasn't going to make it. And so it was either go get another job or give this a go. And so in July 1 of 2020, we just we started it and often we're off and running. So it worked. So no, but you're but you're producing it. But are you do you have brick and mortars? Um, We not we don't own a brick and mortar. You don't own a brick and mortar, but you sell it in the ghost kitchen. We sell it in 60 retail shops around D.C. Okay, great. But like, if somebody wanted you to cater an event, is that something you can do, or are you not in a position? to Yeah, do no, that? we could do that. I, I mean, um, I I've teamed up also with some of the couple of the things you're tasting here today. The Nordic Knot pretzel made by um, the Nordic Knot in Reston. Mm-hmm. I give them my green chili. They melt the cheese and green chili right on top of the pretzel. I, mean, I am all over that pretzel. It's the man. only place. The only place you can get that pretzel is at my farmer's market stand or or through my website uh, mm-hmm. for local delivery. Um, and then also you're trying to, with Texas Trey's chips here. Texas Trey works out of Winchester. He makes the best chip I've ever had out of a bag. We'll see about that, um, young along man. With, uh, <laughs> along with some salsa and uh, guacamole he does. And so I started that's selling his chip. stuff at the market because I needed something to sample with. Right. So uh, that's how we got kind of got connected here. Um, but uh, so we do two farmers markets, one Loudon and Brambleton on the weekends. Maybe and then, you should work with Central Farmers. Right? Maybe. I've, I'm just I've saying. You got to get out there at some right. point, right? Um, it's, I'm, I'm a little bit limited from a resource perspective. It's mm-hmm. pretty much just me. No excuses, Jeff. Sorry, <laughs> we don't accept that here. Um, but that's kind of the story. That's a great story. It is a great story. So now, how do people order from you? How do they get access? Yeah, so uh, if you uh, live in the DMV, I would mm-hmm. suggest the first thing to do is go to our website, EmptyBowlQueso.com. Click mm-hmm. on the Buy In Stores Now link, and mm-hmm. you can. there's a whole list of every retail location by state uh, that you can get the queso in. If you live out in my area, we do do local delivery for zip codes 201-7576-47 and 48. Okay, that's um, Virginia. All right, that's in Virginia, all <laughs> right. Uh, we also ship. Says the Maryland chauvinist. Right? I know. We also ship um, in uh, quart-sized vac seal pouches uh, mm-hmm. all over the country. Um, mm-hmm. So, Dude, if I had um, a quart-sized jar of this in well, the Well, you fridge. could do like he does. You could put yeah. it on your eggs. You could put it on your yeah, cheese yeah, eggs. I, you know. could put I would think I would just apply it directly to my hips. Right. Mm. Yeah, well, 
Mm. You know, you gotta, forget you the middle do man. the work, right? All right, so right. tell everybody where they can yeah. find you so, um, online, please, and on Instagram. Yeah, online, emptybowlqueso.com, and the mm-hmm. same with both Facebook and Instagram or at, at emptybowlqueso. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank wow. you. Guys. It's a great story. <clears throat> All right. Okay. James. So that cocktail is beautiful. I love it's that we got. It's delicious, too. So what is the Frida Kahlo imprint on that you mixed into the cocktail? So it's it's printed on sugar is what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So it stirs right into the drink to kind of balance it out. Um, but that is an image of the mural of Frida Kahlo, punk rock Frida, by the <laughs> artist Yeska. Right. Who uh, is a Oaxacan street artist that we, we flew up to kind of, you know, adorn the space uh, mm-hmm. before it was open. So. Well, so now, as you're putting together your cocktail menu and you're you're looking at what the chef is laying out on the current menu at Aspita, how do you sort of, like, stay creative and do different things? Because, I mean, I think people probably think you could get pigeonholed into doing only specific cocktails, right? Yeah, certainly. Uh, but that's why our new menu is so big. We have 21 cocktails oh on the God. new one. Mm-hmm. So... And our team is is pretty wild, so there's always new ideas. I don't think we necessarily wait on a chef to change the menu or to, to inspire us, but if there's an ingredient in the house, one of our bartenders is going to get a hold of it. Well, so that's what I was going to ask. I was thinking about these hatch chilies. Yeah. Like, how I, I love a spicy cocktail, so mm-hmm. how do you sort of infuse some of those flavors that are in the kitchen into your bar menu. So this cocktail has Fresno chilies, actually, which mm-hmm. is in a lot of our cuisine. Uh, I would love to get my hands on some fresh hatch chilies. That'd be that'd be awesome to, to have like, access to. He's like, up, yeah. dude. That's right. right. We work something out here. Um, but we're using Fresnos here. Uh, you know, all the ingredients. We're, we have staff meal every morning, every day. So mm-hmm. we're, we're eating what we serve and do you and ever invite friends james <laughs> yeah I could, I could sneak a couple people in on the guest you list. could also just yeah. go to the restaurant you know you could do that too that seems too easy or, or the front door <laughs> right uh, okay are you making us one more cocktail uh yeah next up we're going to do our smiling rabbit cocktail okay which is an Aspita classic something that we've reinvented with the kind of reopening of of dc mm-hmm. um mezcal fresh pineapple yellow chartreuse it's gonna be a little tropical yum why why smiling rabbit uh so it's a reference to a myth uh-huh. uh that kind of surrounds mezcal where okay. you know I, I won't go through the whole story like but the white rabbit when you look up at the moon you see this smiling rabbit that uh you know, kind of escaped. Only after there. you've had some mezcal. Right. After some mezcal, yeah. I guess it's right. a rabbit. We're going to come back to you and get to our next guest. All right. Yeah, and our, our next guest is perfectly in tune with this show because you talk about a creative guy. Right. Um, Hernan Laubert. Am I saying it right, Hernan? It's, it's uh, Lauber, actually. Lauber, My okay. Guy. Oh, you Americanized it. Okay. He's but, given it an accent. But um, he has his company is called Udalali, and, uh, which is, as I said at the top of the show, it's an expression of joy and delight and surprise. Um, yeah. And he makes the most beautiful chocolates. That I, you know, forget for a moment the taste. They are so gorgeous. And, and, and I, I really, I got to hear about, you're a sixth generation chocolate maker. So that's an incredible, yeah. give us a little story there. And, um, and then we'll talk about what you're producing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, you know, like, um, like you said, I'm a sixth generation chocolate maker. I hadn't really intended to follow in the footsteps of my family's business. It was just something that I sort of fell into. 
um, you know, because my father is a classically trained pastry chef, baker, and chocolate maker, as is my sister, and they both trained in Switzerland and in Europe. Um, and I was always just sort of helping out as I grew up um, because the factory was literally right across the driveway, <gasps> right? So I would walk over and whatever needed to be done, I would help out with. Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of how I learned about chocolate and how to make it and the process. Um, and it's something that sort of, you know, in many ways, I sort of apprenticed my whole life to do to do that. But um, it's in your but DNA, you, right? But you it. stuck with chocolate instead of like segueing over into pastry. What was it about chocolate? Because that's a temperamental yeah. product. It's not easy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm an engineer, right? So I, I was the good, the you good the son. Science. I went to college. I got my MBA. I had a career. Did all that. Traveled around the world. Um, and I was always sort of paying attention to the bean to bar chocolate industry just because I grew up in that sort of space. Mm -hmm. And um, I told my dad, I said, we should start a bean to bar company. He's like, no way. The U.S. market isn't ready for that. They're not willing to spend that much money on really great chocolate. Because, you know, traditionally in the U.S., there were only a few chocolate makers, um, companies that were actually taking cacao and converting it into chocolate. Mm -hmm. Most chocolate chocolatiers, and this is a thing that people don't always understand chocolatiers take chocolate and they melt it down and they make things out of it. Chocolate makers take cacao beans, process it, and then make chocolate out of it. So uh, in well, US, I think that's really, I think that's a very clarifying point that probably yeah. most people don't realize when they're buying, you know, an artisanal chocolate bar that right. they are not that they're not melting down quality chocolate, but that they're not sure. making the chocolate. Now you are doing something very different. That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. So, you know, in 2008, that's when Bean the Bar started taking off. And I had, I was living abroad. I was living in Switzerland, actually. So, you know, I had access to tons of great chocolate. And uh, when we moved back to into the U.S. in 2016, there was a bar that used cow from the Philippines, which is my country of birth. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm super excited. This is great, you know, because cacao was in the Philippines before it was in other parts of Asia and even Europe, because during the Spanish galleon trades, that was the port of call where they would sort of trade all the different goods. Mm -hmm. And that's how cacao got dispersed to other different parts of the world. Oh. So it's been very much part of Filipino history as much as it's been part of European history or any other sort of chocolate history. That, and that's something that a lot of people don't know. So I was super excited to taste this bar. And I had it and I was like, okay, this is, this is not it, you know, like, not that <laughs> what it was, was bad, it? Was it not or, you know, sweet enough? Was it too bitter? What was, or was it too sweet? It, to what it was, was it? A little too grainy, a little too grainy mm. you know, like the flavor wasn't balanced. I felt like there was a little too much to sort of that bitter flavor. And what Swiss chocolate is known for in particular is just smoothness, right? When you mm. think of Swiss chocolate, it just melts in your mouth. And so that's sort of what I was expecting when I was going to taste this uh, bar made of Philippine cacao. And I just thought, well, you know, I think I can do it better. So okay, wait, on that note, we have to take a quick break, but we're going to come back to you. OK, uh, we're talking about really delicious chocolate. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Uh, the company is I love the name Udalali and Hernan I want to sing it. Yeah, it's yeah. It, well, but that could also be the cocktails name. I've been drinking. But you're doing <laughs> so. you're doing you're doing something, you know, you 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 perfected the taste that you wanted. You're doing something that's really interesting with your art bar series. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we really try to do is to work with other Filipino American entrepreneurs and business people, just because growing up, I, I did not see many of those. Mm. So for my kids in particular, and for other people in our community, it's great to see people, you know, uh, working in different avenues of creativity or whatever it is. So what we've done is we've reached out to Filipino American artists that we like that have some unique sort of art and we make a bar inspired by that. So we've been trying to collaborate with many different types of artists. Our first one came out in February for Valentine's Day, which is called the Harana, which is basically a traditional serenade. Mm -hmm. um, so when you see that print on the bar, that's uh, an artist based here in Southern California named Ethel Martinez. And she had this Harana print, which is just this indigenous person sort of playing, um, you know, the serenade with a traditional um, ukulele or guitar and we were like wow that fits well with valentine's how do we make a bar inspired by that mm -hmm. um, so we used her artwork to to build the packaging but then what we also did my business partner jeremy who joined me in 2019 he comes from 3d printing and so we actually 3d print our own molds so that we can integrate designs into the actual chocolate bars. Um, so what you're seeing from us and some of our other bars is we are incorporating sort of traditional indigenous weaves from the Philippines to just give it a little bit of texture and to tell a little bit of a different story so that even though the, you know, the chocolate is really sort of the highlight, there's all these other components where we're sort of educating people about different parts of Filipino culture and Philippine cacao and, and, and just trying to build up some some goodwill with a Filipino American community. Well, I, um, I love so that you're good. doing that. And I'm just sort of curious, like of the, cause we keep talking about bars. So is everything mm -hmm. sold in bar form, but you have a lot of varieties, right? Yeah. So we have a, we have, we think of things in like series. So we have like our foundational series, which is just our dark and milk chocolate. Mm -hmm. We have the art bar series. We have our maker's cash, which is we release monthly with new flavors and spices and things like that. So we're really sort of finding different ways to experiment with the cacao itself mm -hmm. um, and, and ways to integrate that in other products. So even though we currently only make bars, eventually we're going to move into other sort of cacao adjacent product categories yeah. where we can really highlight the flavor of the Philippine cacao in, in chocolate as well as other, you but, know, wait, But when you talk about, when you talk about um, dark chocolate versus milk chocolate, like... Uh -huh. I am a dark chocolate. Yeah. I prefer dark chocolate. Does, right. Did you decide when you were making your dark chocolates what that darkness would be and how you would soothe out that flavor? Yeah, I mean, just like everything else, it's it's a recipe, right? Mm -hmm. So you have different components, and when you add different spices or different um, inclusions into the bar, you want to balance that flavor as much as possible. Mm -hmm. If something's really sweet, you know, maybe you add a little bit more bitterness, a little bit less sugar, or vice versa with a milk chocolate, you might add a little bit of different milk component. We've been experimenting with like non-dairy milks so that I we can I see have you have vegan a vegan, options. right? You have a vegan chocolate? Yeah. And so we're trying to make that as delicious as possible so that people don't even realize it's, it's vegan chocolate. They just think, oh, it's milk chocolate. It has that creaminess and that flavor, but it's not a dairy product. It's oat milk or whatever it is. So anybody um, listening to this is probably tearing their hair out now, wondering how they get this. How <laughs> do we get it? Yeah. So you know, we're selling mostly online, uh, udalali.com or mm -hmm. on all the social media, udalali. That's two O's, two A's. Um, 
but you know, we're, we're a two man game. So if you email us, you'll probably talk to myself or, or my business partner. Uh, we're trying to expand into more retail and wholesale this year. Um, that's the big focus. I mean, I've been running this business more like a passion project, a side thing that I've been doing. You know, I have I, I had a day job, and now I've sort of transitioned into focusing on this um, full time. So we're hoping to expand and you know and, and get into stores and get into more retail outlets, so well, that people can uh, experience the chocolate. Well, also with your Art Bart series, I feel like there's so many people in the sure. Filipino community. I mean, not yeah. just where you are in California, here in D.C., but nationally. Absolutely. Maybe there's some collaborations that you could do that would be, you know, with chefs or people in the food industry um, or yeah. in the cocktail industry. I mean, I'm just thinking there might be lots of ways to the think outside the box. Thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we uh, have been in, like we're in contact with lots of different people doing interesting things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like uh, sort of subscription Asian snacks. We're trying to get in that. Mm. We're going to make some different sort of chocolate products. Um, I don't want to give away too much because they're still in development. And they're hey, still well, sort you're going to have to keep us ideas. posted. You have to let us know. We're, we're excited because I think there's a lot of places where chocolate can still go where it hasn't been explored in terms of just spice and different ingredients. And, and for us, we try to source as much uh, ingredients from the Philippines as possible because they have a great agricultural community there. Totally with um, you. So, All right, well, thank you yeah. so much for joining us today. Uh, your thank products you are so beautiful. Much. And uh, please stay in touch. Let's Keep do the website one more time. One more time. It's oodalali.com. Oodalali. All right, and if you get confused, you can't spell... You, you have to say it right. You're not you saying it right. I think you have to do it like how I do it. Udalali, like Eureka. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, but the you... fact that people have a hard time saying it, it actually makes it quite fun. Well, that we... makes it memorable, too. <laughs> right. And you can always find the link on Nikki's uh, website, the Absolutely. list, where you want it. Great. Thank you. Okay. Thank All you. right. All right. Thanks. Our last cocktail. All Ooh, look right, at that. James. That is certainly tropical, James. Pass this one down. Uh, so the smiling what? rabbit. Thank you. Yeah, Jeff. the smiling rabbit. <laughs> it looks like a rabbit. Yeah, little rabbit ears. Uh-huh. Uh, we this is fresh pineapple mezcal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use a liqueur called Stabentun, which is from the Yucatan, which is a, mm-hmm. a honey anisette liqueur. Hmm. A uh, little touch that. of lime and a, a touch of chartreuse. So when you know you're... what? That's like a, a hidden punch. I'll bet if you yeah. drink this whole thing, you'd be on the floor. No. Well, I. You can share it. Share it. <laughs> He's like, you can share it. Um, can we just go back for a second? I mean, that cocktail is really good, but mm-hmm. I'm sort of obsessed with the spice mixture yeah. that you put on the very first cocktail. Is that used on dishes as well, or is this your creation? Uh, so it is a, a traditional ingredient, uh, sal de gusano, that's mm-hmm. from Oaxaca that we, we import, and it's uh, is pretty hard to find for us right now. Okay. But then we we do so a house mean, spin like, on it. You're not going to give me any at the end of the show. Is that what I'm saying? You can from have you? what I have, oh, but there is not much more. <laughs> okay. in the pressure none is in the wild. So subtle, don't you yeah. think, James? <laughs> uh, but that's that's chef's uh, spice blend along with it. So mm-hmm. uh, about ten different chilies go in there: chili piquin, chili arbol. That's where most of the heat comes from. Uh, chili or bowl, guajillo. But it's subtle, but it adds so much to the cocktail. It's really yeah, absolutely. Terrific. I'd like to mix it, it, use in it in my queso. A lot of food as well. Yeah. <laughs> and rub it all over my face. It works. So, with the launch of your new cocktail menu, um, mm-hmm. how do you go about training so much your staff? Like twenty-one cocktails—that's a—that's a bear. 
it's it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of R and D, but we've mm-hmm. also had a lot of time on our hands. You know, while we were shut down, so there's a lot of pent up ideas, pent up creativity, mm-hmm. um, and then we just you know a lot of a lot of love and a lot of passion. We spend a lot of time with it. So, and do you guys uh, make cocktail pairing recommendations that go with the menu? Like. Do- because that's a thing. We do, definitely. And if you're sitting at the bar, it's a very interactive experience. You know, the, the bartender is going to kind of try to curate every dish and every flavor, mm-hmm. uh, both out of the food and, uh, and from behind the bar. So I think that's, that's definitely part of it. All right. Tell everybody where they can find Espida on the street. Uh, the corner of 9th and N Northwest. Uh, and even better, Shaw. how about online and on Instagram, please? EspedaDC.com, at EspedaDC everywhere else. And you guys are also behind several other concepts. you want to just give a quick shout-out to them, please? Oh, absolutely. Our newest concept, Destino, over yeah. in uh, La Cosecha building, in Union Market, is, is definitely right? a hidden gem over on that side of town. We're mm-hmm. uh, really looking forward to this first year there. Uh, we also have a taqueria there, Taqueria Las Hamelas. Uh, and, of course, Ghost Burger is uh, our Ghost Kitchen. The original Ghost Kitchen of D.C. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Terrific cocktails. We have two minutes. Do you want to say anything or am I going to just just remind people that they're, you know, it's great to be able to sit here in peace and calm and beauty and and chat and all of that. We've got people in the Ukraine that are are suffering and dying because of a maniacal uh, despot. Mm Mm-hmm. Open up your wallets, send some money, help those folks. Great. Okay, thank you. And we want to thank all of you for joining us today. Everything you heard here today you can find on the list, com, the online e-zine that tells you about everything happening in the D.C. metro area. Of course, you're going to follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for not just everything you heard here today, but for all of my dining and traveling adventures because they are fun. Uh, I thank all of my guests for joining me today, and I thank all of you. It looks like the pandemic is over, but if you're asked to wear a mask, just put it on. If you're asked to show your vaccination card, just do it. Take your kindness pills. Be kind to those in the industry because they deserve it. Be safe out there and have a delicious week. Any workout, any mood, any time. That's what the Peloton Tread is all about. From interval runs that motivate you to go the extra mile, power walks that work up a sweat, rolling hill hikes for you to enjoy, and full body boot camps to hit your goals. Plus thousands of workouts that go beyond the tread. Strength programs, core classes, yoga, Pilates, and even boxing. Everything you need on and off the Peloton Tread. Experience it all for yourself with a 30-day home trial. Learn more at OnePeloton.com.